Hello beautiful people and welcome to March. We're a quarter into the year already. Um, time flies when you're having fun I guess. Yeah, good times. Um, so for today's episode I'll be going into self-worth, uh, self-confidence and self-esteem. And to kick off, uh, let's just go through the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence so self-esteem is pretty much your your feelings your thoughts in yourself you know what you feel and how you think of yourself whereas confidence is your capabilities and what you believe you are capable or able to do and what you can achieve so one's a bit more uh, feelings and thoughts whereas the other one's more with what you're physically able to do and what your limits are in what you believe you can do. Um, and I'll be sharing pretty much my, my history with, I wouldn't say trauma. Um, it sounds a bit extravagant for me to call it trauma, but, uh, the things that pained me as a child, let's say, and affected me and shaped me to be the person that I am today and why I feel and behave certain ways because of how I've grown. So, um, story time. Okay. So as a child, um, I'm a middle child, classic middle child, and I have a Vietnamese background, which means traditionally, not all the time, but traditionally, uh, Vietnamese people are quite petite and small and dainty and skinny let's use the word skinny they are small and uh on my side of the family we weren't really blessed with these genes you know we have ass we have boobs we have uh hips we're quite hairy we're not the traditional or stereotypical um asian oh not asian sorry uh vietnamese person who's small dainty hairless and cute um so yeah, so growing up, I was always like the fat, awkward kid, you know, it's just kind of like I came out of the womb fat and it kind of stuck, like just no matter what I did, it just stuck. I was always a chubby kid. So for me growing up on my mom's side of the family, as I mentioned before that my parents are divorced, growing up on my mom's side of the family, there was always this feeling that I was never good enough. I wouldn't say I was a brat. I don't feel like I was a brat. I was a very shy kid. Uh, just wanted to have fun. Be happy, have fun. Talk to my friends and cousins and have a good time, you know. Be a kid. And after the divorce, I still had weekend visits or fortnightly visits to my dad's side. Where it was kind of a different kind of outcasting, but still outcasting where... I was from the other side um, because my dad's side of the family were mostly from uh, the Cabramatta area. So one side's more city, one side's more Cabramatta. And the dynamic of the two areas is a bit more posh and a bit more Darrow. So the way they were perceived in, I guess, status of which suburb they lived in. Because if you lived in a city, you were more, I guess... You had more advantage or you were richer or whatever it is. So even on my dad's side, there was always this the whispers between the adults where 
um, oh, she's from her mum's side, you know, they're snobs, or they think they're all that, or they're not that friendly, or there was just always something wrong on top of me being fat. Um, and so I grew up mostly on my mum's side of the family, exposed to that side. Things that happened to me as a kid, or since I was a kid, from my uncles and aunties that inflicted on me. And my mum has a big family, so there was nine kids all together, including my mum. And obviously the parents, um, the uncles and aunties, also marry out and have their partners. So more uncles and aunties coming into the equation. So when I was six, I remember, vividly remember, one time where I was sitting on a couch, the TV was on. It was, I think, Chinese New Year or one of those New Year events where everyone was over. And my uncle came up to me and asked me, like, to put up my shirt above my belly. And so my belly was just sitting, like, sticking out. And then he said, suck in your belly. And then suck to my belly because you don't argue with adults. And he got a knife and then pressed it against my stomach. Um, sharp side on my stomach. And he started laughing. He said, well, if you keep on sucking your stomach like this, you might get skinny. I'm this five-year-old or a six-year-old sucking in my stomach, losing breath because of my six-year-old lungs at the time. And my uncle was just laughing and saying, you need to do this to get skinny. That's just one of the things that my relatives did to me. Uh, I had another auntie who was kind enough to share some wise words and say it was a good idea for me to skip meals. So most people have three meals in a day, breakfast, lunch and dinner. She recommended for me that it was best if I skip one meal a day and if I could skip two meals because if you can skip one, skip two because you don't need to eat. And this was good advice because all that mattered in life was being skinny um, and I have other uncles who said that his kids couldn't hang out with me because if they hung out with me their kids would just get fat um, or become stupid because apparently stupidity is contagious stupid. Uh, <laughs> I had another uncle who not my uncle but married into the family who I hung out at their place one day and hung out with their kid and this kid decided to get a straw and do spitballs all over the place. And me just being the follower, because it's not my house, I'm just going to follow. This was all my fault and I'm the bad influence. That was a big thing between the adults where my mum received the, the backlash, obviously, because he's reporting to her. And I was the bad kid because I was the bad influence, because apparently I made the son um, do the spitballs which also makes no sense. Uh, I had braces growing up and I had an auntie come up to me and ask me like to say, can you show me your braces? So you do the teeth thing and smile and show your braces. And she said, you see that girls, if you eat, this is this, you're going to have to wear those. And I'm glad that I was used as a lesson for her children. Because that's exactly what a struggling 13, 12 year old needs at the time for their self, self confidence and self esteem. Um, that they're just a tool to scare their kids. Um, there was probably a lot more things that happened, but oh god, it's just.
doesn't come to mind right now. Um, so yeah, on top of all of that, high school, Jesus Christ, um, the nineties, obsessed with sickly skin models like Kate Moss, um, Gemma Ward, I think her name is. Like they were very fashionable at the time, and it was a struggle to find clothes because being thin was such a a beauty icon, was such a thing, and plus size clothing, or not even plus size clothing, just larger sizes were very scarce and apparently not a thing and not not worthy of looking good in public so clothes weren't available or decent clothes weren't available only moo's were so yeah that was 90s early 2000s early high school late high school oh hello hunter um oh hunter go away please so after high school started my um my work at a bushes and there was one night where my boss they had a party and then it was a new year's party and I got a call from my boss's number and it was really weird and I picked up and I said hello and he said hey like come out like let's go partying everyone's here blah blah and I was quite new at the company at the time so I thought is he drunk like what's going on and I was kind of like, uh, no, like, I'm sleeping, I have a shift tomorrow, and he was just like, oh, come, come, like, it's fun, and after saying no, like, two times, then he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries, and then I, I believe he went to hang up, but then as he hung up, he muttered, stupid Stupid fat bitch, um, (laughs) this is from, I, apparently my boss of the company I worked at that I just started at a couple months prior. So the next day I came to work and I asked him, did you call me uh, last night? And he said, no, I was blah, blah, blah at such and such. But he also has a, a twin brother who both of them were very um, muscly built guys. And the other twin brother, um, I believe he has body dysmorphia because he was so obsessed with being buff and big, but he was also borderline a bit chubby. Because he kind of let himself go in the end. So to this day, I don't know. I just know one of the twins had it out for me. Because purely my existence of being fat. Um, So yeah, uh, fat phobia was a huge thing in the 90s. And I lived through that. I'm pretty sure other people lived through that. But this is just my point of view. Um, If anyone wants to share, feel free to message me and let me know. Because it's interesting to see how people dealt with it. Anyways, carrying on. So, yeah, growing up. uh, Sorry, my dog's just going a bit ratchet right now. Um, So, yeah, growing up, I slowly started losing weight naturally. And that was just from working a lot. And I guess limiting what I ate because I was working and moving a lot. So, I took it upon myself to you know, be a bit more proactive and lose the weight. Um, and as I lost the weight, I think I reached a good 100 and almost 50 kilos in high school. And I was very focused on the numbers, um, making sure I go home and do my push-ups and sit-ups and whatever I could do body workouts at home and watch what I ate when I was out. So lunch would be one sushi roll, maybe two sushi rolls if I was hungry. 
and breakfast was I don't recall eating breakfast um, to be honest and if I was being naughty I would have dinner with my friends and that was it I'll go out for dinner and eat half a bowl of rice because I was monitoring how much rice I ate and just monitoring everything and I progressively lost weight and it was good you know I felt good lost a bit of weight and eventually got into the gym and got a personal trainer I think at my lowest I was 75 kilos so almost half of my body since high school and I remember going to a family gathering after the weight loss and seeing an auntie there and she saw my sister and said oh you're so skinny and pretty like look at you you're in uni you're so skinny like you look great and my sister had said you know bless her she said oh yeah but what about Kim she's she's also lost a lot of weight and then the auntie just looked at me up and down and went no she hasn't lost anything and my sister goes, no, like, I'm, I'm being serious. She has lost a lot of weight. And the auntie did it again. She just said, no, but you look good. You look good. So then from there, that conversation just took a different route. And, you know, who cares about Kim? Um, all of this would not have been as hard if I felt like I had more support from my mother. And I'm not trying to blame her for anything, like, it is 100% on me that I got to that weight and X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, I, I'm holding myself accountable for being in the state that I was. Because um, I put the food in my mouth. I, I was the one who proactively or actively did nothing. That's very ironic. Proactively did nothing or actively did nothing. So I was the one who decided to be inactive and eat a surplus and get to that weight in high school um, but also it was also comfort eating which will be another episode um, and yeah so I, I never felt support from my mum growing up and that was purely because I felt like I was always dumb I was always letting her down but I also felt like uh, I was very resented. Um, and I won't get too far into this, but that's just how I felt most of my growing up. So there was always an awkward distance that I kept from her. But at the same time, me being me, I don't feel like I was a malicious child or I feel like I was a very kind child. Um, and... If I didn't go through everything that I went through to this day, I might have been a lot kinder of a person and less critical. I'm not mean, but I am very critical. Um, coming from my uh, realistic point of view and matter of fact personality and perspective. Um, which I don't know is if being kind as a person is that a, a negative thing? Is that a good thing? Is it being a pushover? Um, so many grey lines. Anyways, so I remember after losing all this weight, um, I came to my mum and said, hey, I've lost all this weight. I weigh this much now and this is how much I've lost. And I showed her photos before and afters. And obviously the, the after is me right here, right now. And then she looked at me and she said, oh, 
10 more kilos and you're good. And I remember that after that conversation, I just, I just felt like hopeless because at that point I had exhausted myself and exhausted my eating habits. I had fully restricted myself. I was barely eating anything. I was still eating, but it got to the point where I would limit every meal that I had to less than 300 calories, which means 300 times three was 900 calories. And I would aim to stick under a thousand or bonus if I could stick under 900 calories a day. And that was, that was my obsession in my early twenties was losing all this weight and going to the gym, running, working out, or then I had a small period of Pilates and different kinds of workouts but the gate the the game the goal was to stay below 900 calories and if I went over a 300 calorie allowance for a meal go for like go hard the next morning at the gym go for an extra half an hour on the cardio machine and just sweat it out because that was all my focus it was just losing weight and getting skinny and I exhausted that and I got to the point where I could no longer lose weight and it wasn't good enough. So, after that I just kind of lost a bit of hope and lost momentum in losing weight and being skinny. I lost it. I, I didn't want to be skinny anymore because I felt like it was too much of a sacrifice on my happiness. And I hated, I was happy with the weight I was at. But I hated the way I felt. I hated the way that I had a toxic relationship with food and my fitness power. I fucking hated my fitness power. That was that was the biggest like bitch of a friend that I had. It wasn't a pal, it was a bitch. My fitness bitch. And I was tracking everything and it was so toxic. I was toxic to myself. I used the app in the most toxic way. And it was an obsession that was very very I don't recommend it for anyone um and I even went through waist training where you wear a loose or a bit more stretchy of a corset and push pretty much push your stomach into a a small circumference diameter whatever it is and I convinced myself this suppresses my appetite because it makes me feel like I'm full and I would push breakfast or not eat breakfast because if I ate breakfast while wearing the waist trainer, I would feel like really, really bloated, which was not a great feeling. And for anyone who gets bloated, you know, it's not a good feeling. So I would not do that to myself where I ate food and wore the waist trainer. So I'd wear it for six hours a day, pushing myself to sometimes wearing it eight to 10 hours a day, have a bit of a break in the afternoon and then sometimes wear it to sleep. So I'd wake up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning with the sore back, take it off from being so uncomfortable and then sleep comfortably for another two hours before I get up for work. That was my relationship with my body and I am so sorry to my body, <laughs> especially my back. So there was this weird phase in my twenties where I was just fascinated with having an hourglass figure and also being skinny. Um, and I felt shit. 
but I thought I was looking better. Um, but that's all that matters is looking better because it doesn't matter how you feel inside apparently. Um, and it was only a couple months until I found powerlifting, which is a heavy lifting sport. Um, very fun, you know, got into it, watched a lot of YouTube videos and slowly introduced myself into that part of the gym. Uh, after I started powerlifting, you know, moved gyms, got a new trainer. And this is when I met the guy from, uh, the love episode. So my first love, that's where I met him, met my little circles there. And from there, that was probably the first time I felt acceptance for myself and really loosened up to my, for myself. I really loosened up on my body, I relaxed and accepted that, you know, I was okay the way I looked and I started eating again. So I was comfortable to eat and I didn't feel the need to restrict myself as much as I did in my early twenties anymore. Um, and that's thanks to this guy who I know a lot of people who know who he is, have a weird, um, <laughs> a weird, uh, Oh, I don't know what to call it. Just a weird, just impression of him. But because of him, I that's that was my the introduction, the first steps to me starting to accept myself and realizing that I am okay the way I am. Uh, and then from there, that's when my eating improved. Uh, I focus less on the numbers. I still ate within reason and ate consciously healthily, but I wasn't restricting myself like I was before and limiting to 300 calories per meal or the making it a goal to eat less than 300 calories per meal. I let myself treat myself and eat muffins and uh, maccas and just crap food that people enjoy and it's okay. And then after all that ended with him, uh, that's probably when I spiraled back into my old habits where I sought food out for comfort again. So after that, we separated, I, I couldn't train anymore. I, I didn't love the gym. I didn't love training. I didn't enjoy being there anymore. Every time I lifted weights, I was able to lift the weights or I was able to get to the session, which was supposed to be an achievement but I just leave the gym just feeling shit um I just hated the gym I hated being there I hated thinking about him and the gym just reminded me of that no matter how much someone says just try to go for yourself blah blah fuck off um I just kept on thinking about him and all the times that we shared together in general at the gym and throughout my journey working out and becoming strong through powerlifting so I decided to take a break. I took a year off and then coincided with COVID the year later. Uh, not blaming COVID for my laziness, but it was a happy coincidence for me. Uh, lucky me. And I've just indulged. I've been a sloth and really indulged and enjoyed myself for the last two years. And I've met guys who appreciate my body as is, larger and also... I remember meeting guys that appreciated my body when it was smaller as well, but the focus was too much on 
my body and my physical appearance than my amazing, amazing personality. personality. Uh, thank you very much. So now when I meet people, just because I'm a bigger person, it doesn't mean that I don't have a beautiful personality or a beautiful perspective on life. Um, if anything, my mind and my heart is so much healthier and happier than it was when I was at my lowest weight. And that's because going back to self-esteem and self-confidence, that's because I've trialed an error so much in my life and overcome so many things. And that's due to dropping ego. So what do I mean by that? So your ego is your, your mental self, your, your brain, that part of your brain where it protects you. It protects your self-image and your self-worth and it helps create your sense of worth from there. So someone with too much ego would put themselves on a very high pedestal, make themselves feel very important and that's where it can go wrong and they would snub everything and just be like, no, 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 I'm too good for this. Uh, and on the opposite side, someone with no ego or very little ego would have absolutely no respect for themselves and let everyone and everything walk all over them. So when I talk about ego in this sense, what I mean is you find that within yourself, that you have a healthy balance within yourself where you can, you have a sense of importance for yourself and self-respect, um, but you also have the heart to, or the ego, sorry, not the heart, the ego to open up and expose yourself to new experiences. Because when you put your expectations or your self-worth um, on the line and change yourself, I had actually had this conversation with someone last, last week, last week. And I told her that when you change for someone else or for someone else's validation or approval, that would be the most unfulfilling thing in the end. And the reason why is because the reaction you receive might not be what you want to hear. Or even if it is what you want to hear, you won't be happy. And the reason why is because you've let your self-worth go to this person and rely purely on another form of validation than your own. When you have a healthy balance of ego within yourself, there is no more need to please anyone else other than yourself. That your best is good enough. And just because it isn't by anyone else's standards or good enough for another person, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is how you feel. If you're happy with where you're going in life, what you are doing in life, who you are surrounded by, and who you are as a person right now, no one else's validation will ever be enough to make you happy unless it's your own. Although you're seeking validation or approval, this other person who is giving you this approval or validation didn't go through your struggles. They didn't go through the change that you are going through. They didn't make the decisions that you are making. And for them to have a, a right or a privilege to yes or no, whether you're worthy or not, is highly inappropriate. 
And then not to get confused with my situation with the the love guy, um, not dropping names. In that case, I wasn't looking for his approval or his validation. I wasn't looking for anything from him. He stumbled into my life, told me something that I never believed in myself, that I was working on to believe. Um, I was working on very hard to be beautiful and feel beautiful for myself. And when he confirmed that and that I didn't believe it, he confirmed it again. And that was a sense of relief that all this hard work was for something that someone else sees it. If I had gone through a huge change physically to appease him and make him feel like I was worthy of his attention or uh, I don't know, his validation or anything, that's a, a situation where now, me now, I would turn around and be like, no, you can fuck off because you had nothing to do with this and you don't deserve this. And yeah, so totally off topic, that was a spill on ego, which will probably pop up in another episode in the future. But let's come back to self-worth, self-confidence and self-esteem. So now, me now, my self-esteem and my self-confidence is the healthiest and the happiest it's ever been. And the reason why is because I opened up myself to a lot of failures. So with my self-confidence, I, I'm a big trial and error kind of person. I will try a lot of things. I am open to try a lot of things. And if I fail, I'm now at the point of my life where I'm okay to say, I can't do this or I'm not comfortable to go through this. Can someone help me? Or I can just say, this is just out of my, my interest, my capabilities, and this does not better me in any way. So I politely decline to do such and such. And that's only in cases where it's something that I really highly don't agree with, or I really deem as something that may not contribute to me um, bettering myself, which goes with the same with people. Um if the people around me don't add value to my life and then add value to my self-esteem and how I feel around about myself and my peers, my friends, um, I'm okay without it. I'm okay to move on. And it's a very cutthroat mentality. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's all about bettering ourselves. If someone doesn't better you as a person, or support you bettering yourself as a person. Why are they there? Why are they existing in your life? Which is why I'm gonna do a <laughs> I'm gonna do a roundabout back to ego, where you need to have a certain value on yourself and importance on yourself because you are valuable no matter how low of an ego or self esteem you may have at the moment, but you are of value and when you discover what your value is and how you can grow that and develop it and nourish it to become something greater, um, a healthy amount of ego or self-esteem, um, in this case, that you will be more aware of what, who, and where is included in your future and in your life, because unselfishly your focus is now on you, your happiness and your 
inside happiness. So your, <coughs> your mental and your emotional happiness. And I understand it's easier said than done. But if anyone ever asked me, I guess how I would explain going about it is how I would talk to my child. And I know I've told everyone that I don't want kids. And I'm, well, at least at this point in my life, I really, really, really don't want kids. Um, how I would talk to my child, how I would raise my child and mold someone very brand new to this world, how I would mold them into becoming a good person and not just a good person to other people, but a good person to themselves as well. Because I don't want anyone pushing my child around. That child better look after themselves and fend for themselves because if I have to smack someone around for them, then uh, I didn't do a good enough job. So how I would explain it to my own child, are you happy with who you are right now? And if not, what would you do to change it? Are you happy with what you're planning to do in the future? What would you like to do? Are you happy with who is in your life right now? Your friends, your, I guess in this case, like any family members. And if you do and don't, like why? If they're unhappy or not pleased with the way they're being treated, what would they like to happen? How would they like to be treated? How would they treat someone else if they were told the same thing? And it's a lot of back and forth and treat how you want to be treated. But it's also about accountability. And we're very conscious of being accountable for our words and actions nowadays for other people. But there, there seems to be a loss of how people are accountable for themselves and becoming yes people and giving away all their time and resources and efforts for for nothing and it isn't a world of giving a dollar and getting a dollar back but it is a world where there needs to be a perfect or a balanced harmonization between the way we treat others and then treat ourselves and the same with how we treat others and are treated back ourselves and at the end of the day if I would tell my child, if you don't look after for you, who is going to look after you like when I'm gone? And that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, my child's going to be wise as fuck. Um, but in the meantime, that's not going to happen for at least a very long while. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, I keep on getting off track. Um, back to self-worth and self-confidence. Without all of the stuff that I experienced as a young kid and going through this large period of hate for myself and unappreciation for myself, do you need to go through bad experiences to to discover or to realize a certain level of self-worth for yourself? No, not all the time. Did it contribute to the way that I am who I am now? hundred percent it did and given the fact that I believe that as a child I was a lot kinder and I'm a very forgiving person and not the word easygoing but um not even a pushover but I give people a lot of allowances and I still kind of do to this or 
not anymore, but in my few past couple of years, I did give people a few allowances and let them get away with a few things that ended up biting me in the butt or hurting me in the end or just not agreeing with me. And being a very kind person is not a bad thing. It should not be a bad thing. Unfortunately, we live in a world where if you are too kind of a person and or have very little self-worth, people will take advantage of that. That's the most unfortunate part of this scenario um, where we cannot be very kind people or people who have little or no self-worth and that can be nourished, but instead people take advantage of it. But I guess the best thing I can say is is that never look for validation in other people. And I say that only because I spent so long trying to look and feel a certain way to get someone's approval and for that to be turned around and I didn't get the the response that I wanted or the response that encouraged me to to feel even partially good about where I'm up to that it's the most unfulfilling thing in the world and that I don't want my future potential child to ever feel that way or to ever go through all the nastiness that I went through but I also want them to be a strong person and I believe that you can be a strong person without going through bullshit and yeah it's just one little spiel about my um my non-existing child so um I guess it's a bit late and hopefully I got around to the point actually I don't know what I'm talking about right now because I'm actually quite tired. Um, yeah, well, if anyone wants to talk about anything, share their experiences with fat phobia, um, any requests for future episodes, feel free to privately message Mimi on my account, my phone number, or if you want DM on the Instagram account, I am very rubbish with posting on the Kite Please Instagram, so please forgiveness me. Um, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.